0: No falava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Susana Suiswiki. Coming up, an academic in Papua New Guinea says change is badly needed after the riots. Also,
1: so the public uh, expects uh, some decorum in their behavior. That's what I
0: could say. The scandal involving two cabinet ministers continues to rock Fiji's politics. And later on, we tell a Norway US Coast Guard lead about the Harriet Lane cutter. Papua New Guinea needs a giant wake-up call, according to a local academic. Andrew Anton Mako says the country's systemic dysfunction was plain to see in the rioting and looting throughout the country's main cities two weeks ago. Mr Mako, who is with the Australian National University's Development Policy Centre, says the government has failed to address the underlying causes of violence for years. He spoke with Don Wiseman firstly about how the outbreak of violence would have been avoided if systems had worked like they should.
2: That deduction should not have happened if things were working properly. That information could have been already transmitted through the system so that not only the police officers but all the public servants could have been um, assured that there was a glitch in the system, and then they would send the money back. The extra deduction, they will return the money in the next pay or so. So I think that information could have been um, made available to the officers quickly, so that the protests that happened should not have happened. If they have done that.
3: It's not the first time, though, is it? I think the PNG government is trying to present it as the sort of thing has never happened to us before. But it's just 18 months or so since an horrific election in which the violence level was at an all-time high. It's like there's a powder keg primed to uh, explode at any moment.
2: Yeah agree with you on that, Don. It's a bigger uh, problem, whatever that happened. On uh, Wednesday on the 10th was just the um, tip of the iceberg, right? This was going to happen. Governance is a big problem in this country, right? The government and the policymakers really need to take a comprehensive approach in addressing that. It's a big issue. And then with that, we got corruption and everything like that. In order to improve the public service machinery and for things to work, the government really needs to look at the administration part of the uh, of the
3: system that they have. There's a whole series of er- areas around that, aren't there, in terms of training, staffing numbers, staffing pay, this sort of thing. It's been talked about for a long time. I've been covering stories about Papua New Guinea for years, and these similar sorts of things keep coming up in terms of the pressures on government departments and the pressure on wage earners and so on and so on, but it just gets worse and worse.
2: Over the last 20 years or so, there wasn't any comprehensive reform to look at the public service machinery. I think the last attempt by the government to look at this was 20 or so years ago when when the uh, late, say, Makare Moroto was the prime minister, right? So since then, there hasn't been any sort of reforms to improve governance, improve public sector efficiency and all that, right? So that's the bigger problem, right? We should have picked up where Sam left. So it's a bigger problem. It goes back many years, but I think if we had done something in the last 20 years to pick up from where Sam Agar left in terms of uh, comprehensive reform to fix the issues, the administrative and governance issues of the country. We would not have uh, be facing the problems we are facing at the moment. So it's going to be a big problem, whichever government, this government or whether a new government comes on board or whatever happens, the government really needs to look into that issue as a big uh, priority for them.
3: So where do you start? What's the first thing they need to do?
2: It has to start from the leadership level, right? Firstly, the government needs to know that it's a big issue to start off with and then to you know get into the hard work. You know, it's not going to be easy. They have to really work on it. For a number of years. I don't think it will, it will happen overnight. They will have to come up with a reform agenda, work on it for, for the next four or five years, right? So at a moment what we are seeing is that they come up with reviews and things like that and that they don't follow up with uh, you know the actual work that really needs to be done, right? So the government said, okay, it is a problem and that we're going to set up a you know, work plan for another four to five years to actually look at it. It's not going to happen overnight.
3: Let's go back a wee way because after the election in 2022 and there was a lot of talk about strengthening police and so on. And there have been a couple of legal changes that have given the police greater powers. So I'm not sure whether any of those have been applied at this point. But what else has been done in that regard? Is that just something that was talked about then and put in the too hard basket? So
2: there have been some reforms, but I think it's really looking at things that trying to address the symptoms, right? They're not really trying to address the core issues. So, for example, the ICAC, the Independent Commission Against Corruption, is really to look at corruption at the grander level, but then there's a lot of things at play at the lower levels of the society. For example, unemployment is a big issue, right? So the crime rate and things like that that are happening in Papua New Guinea, it's just because there is no jobs for the young people of this country. So it is about looking at what are the underlying issues that is actually driving the social issues. So whatever the looting and the things that happen on the 10th of January is a symptom of what is actually happening. There are underlying issues, like unemployment is a big issue that the government needs to look at. The high cost of living, pressure that people are facing. Inflation is a symptom of high cost of production and high, co- uh, no, high cost of doing business in Papua New Guinea. So they will have to look at addressing the underlying issues, not the symptoms.
3: So if you are addressing the unemployment issue, what do you do? in a country like PNG. I know there's been talk for a long time about the agricultural potential and anyone who's spent time in PNG can recognise that but I don't know if that's changed very much in the last 20 years.
2: That's right. The focus is to be on the sectors that create jobs so over the last few years, over the last decade or so, a lot of focus has been really on the resources sector the, uh, the mining, petroleum, the gas sector. Those sectors are really, we call enclave sectors, or they got really limited linkage with the, the broader sectors of the economy So and the mineral sector do not create a lot of jobs. A lot of the jobs are done by either the machines or highly skilled workers. Eh? So it is the sectors like agriculture, like fisheries, like tourism, forestry. Those are the sectors that really, really create jobs. So the focus of the government is to shift now towards improving those sectors, to invest a lot of money into these sectors not only money, but also reform policies that will make sure that the agricultural sector, the fisheries sector, the tourism sector are revived. If they're thriving, then a lot of the you know, unemployed people will be able to find jobs in those sectors. So it is a shift that has happened at the national level. It has to be driven by the government and the makers who say that we will have to focus our shift towards these sectors, sectors that will create jobs for the majority of the other people, especially the younger population of the country.
0: Fiji politics continues to ramp up, and the individuals at the centre of it all happen to be the two ministers embroiled in a sex and drug scandal. The General Secretary of the leading party of Fiji's coalition government says ministers must remember that they work for the taxpayer and the public servants and therefore must act accordingly. His remarks to RNZ Pacific follow a recent complaint against his own party member, Women's Minister Linda Tambuya, over her conduct, which is being investigated, despite her saying the scandal is fake news. Uh, you know, sex sells, you know, and so there's fake news, you know, and I find that, you know, some uh, public uh, personalities who are impersonating as media personalities, uh, you know, have gone up and sensationalized it. People's Alliance General Secretary Usaya wangatai spoke with Alicia Foon about the unfolding situations.
1: Well, I believe that the coalition is still strong right? because I haven't received anything that's uh, towards with the coalition uh, till now. I haven't received any words or anything. So without um, receiving any official um, communication from the other parties, that's where I, I stand. I believe that the, co- the coalition is still strong. I, I sort of... Uh, Close of all the noise levels that's coming from various directions and just concentrate on and now maintaining the coalition.
4: And how would you describe what has been happening over the past week? Uh, has this come as a surprise to the People's Alliance, or has this kind of been bubbling for a while?
1: I really could not comment on that. I, maybe it's bubbling within the the other party, the, the Social Democratic Liberal Party, but we haven't heard anything about what's happening in their party with it is bubbling there. But as far as I know they've uh called a management uh, meeting to discuss the uh dismissal of uh, of the uh Minister for Education. That was the headline that came out uh, at the beginning of the week. That's about all I could say about that.
4: People's Alliance confirmed uh, that there was a complaint against Domboko's Cabinet Minister at the centre of a sex and drug scandal. Now, that was uh, Linda Tabuya. Can you speak more to this, and, and where is that at?
1: I cannot speak more to that. Uh, all I can say is, as we've uh, mentioned in our last press release, which was on Monday a.m. after our meeting, our Executive Council meeting, um, is that the letter has been received and uh, activated uh, the part of the constitution where we've um, started an investigation, and which will then report back to our uh, our management committee, the inquiry team, eh? and then they will um, decide what, what will happen after that from the outcome of, of the investigation. And once the... That complaint is accepted by the executive committee to be investigated. They're given 21 days to complete their job. That's all I could say.
4: And can you speak to the nature of the complaint?
1: I I can't answer that.
4: But is it uh, related to this alleged sex and drug scandal?
1: I, I can't answer that.
4: Do you have any comments about the conduct of ministers in the People's Alliance Party and what's expected?
1: I can't answer that either.
4: Do you believe that things that ministers do uh, on their own terms should be private matter and not for public discussion? We spoke to a political expert that really backed Linda Tabuya, saying that she was an extraordinary minister and despite the complaint uh, that he does not believe that she should be dismissed and that anything that she does in private, whether it's on a ministerial trip or not, should not be a black cross on her name. Well, I mean,
1: all ministers must remember that um, not only all ministers, all parliamentarians must remember that they are public officers and um, they are paid for by the taxpayers. Their um, salaries and uh, extras that come with the uh, or the privilege that comes with the uh, the position they that they are filling in. So the public uh, expect uh, some decorum in their behaviour. That's all I could say.
4: Do you have full confidence in the coalition and in Damboka?
1: Yes, of course.
4: And. What do you have to say to the people of Fiji who are concerned about what's happening, considering there is so, so many layers to these discussions with the alleged affair ministers uh, being dropped and then reinstated, and then this complaint with Linda? That's
1: um, something that the party leader and prime minister can only comment on. I can't uh, comment on that.
4: But as the People's Alliance General Secretary, are you able to provide any reassurance or comments to uh, people that voted you in?
1: I am not in a position to do that. That would be the party leader's uh, role to comment on that.
4: When can we hear about the decision surrounding the complaint?
1: Um, They've given 21 days from the day uh, it was accepted into the management committee, and we could expect something from that. that. So that was last Monday. So we work on 21 days uh, from there.
4: And then from there, will you make, will you be making an announcement or providing a, a press statement?
1: Yes, we'll um, call a, a management committee meeting where they will present the findings and then they'll deliberate on that. And if they decide to make an announcement about that, then it'll be their call.
4: So you can only say that a complaint was made, but you can't tell us what the nature of the complaint is. Is no, that correct? I can't. Okay. Are you aware that Minister Linda Tabuya went to uh, the Australian body for online images and cyber security? Are you aware that she asked for these images to be removed?
1: Well, I read it in the papers. That's something beyond our control. Do I support what she has requested? Well, she's well within her right to do that. And of course, we will support it. it. I mean, as I said, it's up to it's, 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 her uh, right to do that, and she's complained. And we'll just have to leave it at that.
4: She responded to us saying it's fake news. So if these images are fake, why has she requested for them to be taken down? Is this part of the investigation into the complaint?
1: It has nothing to do with that. That's
0: her own prerogative that she's requested that. In Hawaii, the U.S. Coast Guard welcomed the Harriet Lane, a 270-foot Indo-Pacific support cutter, or ship, with a 100-person crew. It was recently relocated from Portsmouth, Virginia, to Hawaii last month in December. The cutter is one of the U.S.'s efforts to strengthen its relationship with the Indo-Pacific region, with a focus on advising, training, joint deployment and capacity building. Harriet Lane will be making a total of seven stops in the Pacific this month and throughout February. Joining me to talk about the Harriet Lane is Captain Jennifer Conklin. Kia ora, Jennifer. Tell us more about this cutter.
5: Yeah, kia ora. Um, So, the Coast Guard cutter, Harriet Lane, uh, we're so excited that uh, she's transitioned. She was originally homeported on the east coast of the United States, but she has uh, now moved over to Hawaii. Um, and her first patrol starts in about a week, and she'll be heading down through the Pacific. Um, to visit all of our uh, Pacific Island partners, to kind of, kind of build on capacity, um, you know, kind of shared experiences, and, uh, and kind of just you know, continue our presence in the Pacific.
0: Now, before we get into Harriet Lane's missions and operations, just going back to the basics, what exactly does the U.S. Coast Guard do?
5: Yeah, so um, the U.S. Coast Guard, so I've been in the Coast Guard now for more than 20 years. Um, Something that I'm passionate about is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it's a public service. It's a maritime safety administration and agency, but we're also a law enforcement agency. And so through those kind of different avenues, you get to see a lot. So there's the humanitarian side of whether it's search and rescue or emergency management um, or, you know, you get into the law enforcement pieces where we, you know, um, you know, kind of deter uh, malign behavior and drug smugglers and different things like that.
0: Now, for you, was it an area of service that you always wanted to work in?
5: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think um for me personally, um, obviously I, I think at some point early on I was drawn to public service, um, and then the opportunity to be on or near the ocean on a regular basis, um and and then contribute to like a humanitarian service. Um, yeah, the Coast Guard's always been uh I don't know. I don't know how we kind of found each other, but it's definitely kind of been a natural, kind of a natural fit. Um, so yeah. And of course the adventure that comes with it, you know, going out on the ocean, I mean, the Pacific obviously is massive and that was my first posting out here and I have family in the Pacific. So it's, uh, It's kind of a natural fit for adventure and and humanitarian service.
0: Now, you mentioned that the Harriet Lane is going to be heading to the Pacific and it will be stopping at seven Pacific countries. Um, What will the ship and its crew be doing there exactly? How long will the Harriet Lane be in the region for?
5: So she's she's home-ported in Hawaii now, so she'll kind of be an enduring presence out here. But uh, her first uh, planned trip, And uh, we haven't confirmed all these places, but the intention is for her to go to uh, first American Samoa, followed up with Samoa. Um, And while she's there, she'll be doing uh, fisheries um, engagements, operations, but also within, you know, in APIA, we have um, some environmental, uh, some specific environmental response folks rep that they'll be uh, engaging with as well so, really, when we look at her, I should probably rewind a little bit. When we look at her patrol, the Harriet Lane's patrol, it's um, it's really about all the Coast Guard missions and kind of capabilities that we can bring to the region that are, um, you know, relevant. So, whether that's fisheries and law enforcement, conservation, conservation. Um, uh, maritime safety, stewardship, those types of things. It's it kind of, kind of the full package is what we're trying to kind of do with this cutter. Um, so, um, yeah. So fisheries, environmental response, emergency management. So, uh, like I said, American Samoa, Samoa, and then hopefully on to Fiji, um, and then she'll hopefully be conducting some search and rescue exercises. Um, with the Fijian Navy while she's there, and, and different SAR authorities, um, and then on to Vanuatu and um, a longer break in Australia um, to kind of reset in uh, Cant and then up into New Guinea, uh, Nauru, a, a brief stop in Marshall Islands on her way back home. That's kind of the full circuit that we're that we're planning on and, and hoping that it all comes to fruition, which is about
0: 35, 80 days. That's a lot of days there. So how do Coast Guard missions and engagements benefit Pacific countries and communities?
5: Yeah, so first of all, I think that the U.S. Coast Guard is
0: a natural partner. Um, obviously,
5: the Pacific Islands, it's you know—they're all maritime countries and states, and um, and you know, we, we talk about the Pacific Nile leaders, they always say, you know, it's not the ocean that divides us, it's the ocean that connects us. And so when we talk about port security, we talk about sovereignty, um, we talk about fisheries and stewardship with the fisheries, these are all things that are naturally in the Coast Guard's kind of what we say in Hawaii we say kuleana, but in your area of responsibility. Um I think that as we share practices um, and we can kind of build on each other's capabilities and capacities, that uh, I think we can, you know, we, we can all do more collectively versus, um, you know, each trying to tackle these issues individually I think for all of us.
0: That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple, and iHeartRadio podcasts. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, Fastway Four.